I use this with players who are worth 50, 60 million pounds, dollars, whatever you want to call it, in, in transfer value. And I'll give you one from one of the best players in the world right now who I'm working with. Okay, this player is a defender. And this player, every single game, every single game, this player's main objective is this. I'm going to be dominant and relentless. I'm going to be dominant and relentless non-stop. Nothing and no one takes me away from dominant and relentless. Every run, every movement, every action, dominant and relentless. If my cross goes into Rosie, dominant, relentless. If I miss a chance to score, dominant, relentless. If we go a goal down, I'm going to stay dominant, relentless. If we go a goal up, dominant, relentless. If I'm losing my duels, my 1v1s, dominant, relentless. If my teammates are playing poorly, dominant, relentless. If the crowd are getting on my back, dominant, relentless. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, going into a weekend game, this is what this person is rehearsing in their mind this is the narrative that they're creating okay it's a technique i call a game face a game face a game face is your competitive persona it's an attitudinal guide it's a behavioral blueprint almost an alter ego kind of kind of it's it's your optimal mental state it's a little bit like the late great kobe bryant's mamba mentality but it's more powerful because it's it's personalized all right we're back here again at the united soccer coaches convention in philadelphia and man We've had pretty much all legends on the show today, and got another one right here. Yes, Someone that's really built a strong personal brand, and quite surprised that we were able to get you on the show, but I'm really excited to have this conversation. Dan Abrahams, nice to meet you. Honored and delighted to be here, Sean. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Now, so you also do a podcast. It's called The Sports Psych Show. Yes. How long have you been doing that? So I've been doing it for just over three years now. Um, And um, I love it. I'm a distinctly average host. I just have great guests. Same. Um, (laughs) So we can can enjoy being the average host together then, although I'm the guest this time. So I'll have to be half decent if if you guys are average. Um, no, I, I, I've been doing that, and it's really a deep dive into the, the, the world of sports psychology. Um, so, uh, yeah, I kind of have a mix of people on. Actually, it's kind of grown into predominantly being academics from the world of sports psychology and psychology and sports coaching. So it is a deep dive, I must be honest. And, uh, you know, uh, we do, we, we, as I say, we do go deep. Yeah. Um, but I think there's kind of a space for that, and we try to demystify things and, and make it as practical as we possibly can, not too theoretical. So, so, so that's the the sports psych show. I've heard yeah, Dan, yeah. Dan through you, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I definitely definitely love the stuff that he showed me for sure. I mean, it's such a uh, an important area in sport that I feel like a lot of people don't really think about. Obviously, no. at such like at a young level and a youth level, people don't think about it as much. Once you get into the professional level, it's obviously just as important as everything else so i definitely am excited for the conversation yeah so what is your background in mm. in sports yeah. are you do you have a soccer background uh only a supporter um okay. so i grew up so who a, do you support I, well i i now support whoever pays me yeah. so there you go that's how merciless <laughs> i've become there you go um, love that but i um i grew up a spurs supporter which at my age i'm in my mid-40s so i grew up sort of the late parts of the 80s and the 90s which was pretty painful supporting tottenham hotspur at that time they've vastly improved over the years um so, no, I was actually a professional golfer. Okay. Um, oh, cool. I didn't win any money. I was quite hopeless professional golfer <laughs> in many respects. Um, and that was largely um, 
not through a complete lack of uh, ability or talent, but largely because of what was going on between my two ears. Um, all the things you think about from a psych perspective, you know, I wasn't particularly good at. I didn't know how to concentrate effectively, build my confidence, self-belief. Didn't know how to practice effectively. Didn't know what really what to be thinking on a day-to-day basis. And so... That led me on a kind of a journey. I was a bit of a sad teenager. I was reading sports psychology books. Um, you're not supposed to be nodding there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you were a sad teenager. Um, no, I was kind of reading books uh, about sports psychology at that time. And then, um, obviously, that interest accelerated as I was playing golf. Saw a couple of sports psychologists had mixed experiences with that. And then as I, I, I became a golf coach... Um, and I decided to go to university at that time. So what in UK we would call a mature student. I don't know if I was any, I was particularly mature, but I was a, an older student, if you like, in my mid-twenties. And I did a degree in psychology, a master's in sports psychology. And I, I left and became a registered and qualified sports psychologist in the UK. And I kind of... I. It, it's funny, as a sports psychologist, you can work across all sports. And I have worked across all sports. And But I come, when I was a golfer... When I used to listen to sports psychologists speak about golf, there, were, there was always some things they would say that were like, oh, I'm not, you, it sounds like you don't really know my landscape mm. very well. You don't know my, lands, my language. You don't necessarily know the specific challenges that, that I face. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's definitely sports I work in where the first thing I'd say to the athlete or the coach is, I'm not an expert of your sport. But... It led me to think, you know what, I want to work across all sports, but I know golf right at the back of my hand, so I'm going to specialise in golf, but I also want to specialise in another sport. Big football supporter, soccer supporter. So I started to get involved about 17 years ago in non-league football in the, in the UK because I started. I, I worked for free. I wanted to learn the language of the game. I wanted to learn the specific challenges that players face. And I, it kind of built from there, and then I got introduced to a few Premier League players and, and, and uh, started to work at West Ham and then built from there and snowballed and wrote a few books, and they were fortunate enough to be best-selling and uh, very kind of Gareth Bale last year to come out and say, Soccer Tough, my first book, changed his life. I don't think it changed his life, but that's what he said, so I'm going to go really? with that. But, I, you know, it, it's kind of snowballed, and, and, and that's where I find myself now working globally in football um, uh, on you know, in performance psychology. So, so that's where we're at. Oh, it's cool. Wow. I know it's, yeah. I, cause it's funny you say golf. Cause when I think of like a mental toughness, like in a sport, that's the first one that comes to my mind. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're battling just, yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I'm starting to play a little bit more and I just, man, every single shot's a battle. <laughs> well, you see this. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, right. I, I do think there's an interesting... I always challenge this slightly in as much as... I mean, number one, we don't want to get into the, the specific yeah, golf, yeah. but it's a very, it's more of a technical game than people actually realise. Oh, for sure. You know, you can, you can think well, but still not return the club head to the ball particularly consistently. Let's not, let's not venture too much down the golf path, but the interesting thing is actually a lot of footballers will say that, but actually my, my response is always, well, don't underestimate the mental challenges of football, soccer, because, you know, th- there's a few things to understand there. First and foremost, it's a team game. And so subsequently there's, number one, there's a lot out of your control. Like, as a pro golfer, I would qualify for certain tours, pay my entrance fee, rock up, and I could play how many sessions do I do back in England with players or you know on Zoom with American players who said Dan I'm not being chosen right now the, the manager or the head coach doesn't like me doesn't like the cut of my jib as we'd say in England and so subsequently they don't get picked well that's that's 
actually can be quite psychologically traumatic. So, so, so there's that. Um, the other thing to to consider is, as there is, it is a team game. There's a lot of um, interpersonal skills. Golf. I could be the rudest, harshest, mm. and most antisocial person there there is out there, and I can get on with my career. You can't really do that in a team environment. You can try and do that, and I'm sure there are many players, and I've known many players who are a little bit that way inclined, but it makes it tougher. And to be a great teammate, to be a great leader, to have great relationships is absolutely imperative. And that all comes under the psychological um, um, component. Um, the next thing to say is that there's, you know, if we take golf, it's a self-paced sport, uh, it's an individual sport, and it's a slow-paced sport. Um, and so it's understandable that people would say, well, there's a lot of time to think. And so subsequently, it's psychological. Now, actually, when it comes to soccer, if we think about soccer works in seconds, it's a quick sport. But the thing is, is there's something working quicker than soccer every single time. And that is your brain and your nervous system. Your brain and your nervous system function in milliseconds. Your brain and the nervous system throw up thoughts and feelings and emotions and sensations all the time. You know, and, and we are, as human beings, are, are, are designed to judge what's going on around us. How am I playing? Am I playing well? What threats are out there? What, what rewards are out there? I'm 1-0 up. That's is awesome, which can take us out of the moment. I'm 1-0 down. That's terrible. I'm playing awful. This isn't going well. Wow, this is a big, quick, strong striker. I, this person's getting in front of me all the time, right? You know, all those kinds of what I call ants. Ant being an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. So we want players who are capable of squashing their ants, turning down a volume of ants. We want them to be able to play in a high-performance mindset and start and stay there no matter what. And I think, I think you know, you're right there, Evan. I think as young players, something you mentioned earlier, young players don't necessarily take the mental side seriously enough you know and, and look there is an element here of their playing they're having fun and that, that i wouldn't want to, to take that away from them at all but if you're serious about the game then you've really got to explore you know your capacity to take charge of yourself engage in self-control be in your high performance mindset no matter what be able to shift up from your low, uh, lpm your low performance mindset no matter what those are all a small snapshot of the kind of the mini skills that i talk about with players and teams on a day-to-day basis so it is still a very psychological sport yeah For absolutely sure. so i coach a U, at U, the u17 level yes uh, very high level group yep, absolutely and i think they're starting to get to the age now where they're actually starting Starting to become more aware yep. of their mindset. Yes, um, and so that's something that I talk about with them a lot, and 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 it's 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 I, I tell them it's a matter of like training your mind the same way you train your body, right? Yep. Yes. So, what are some practical things that yeah. players can do to actually train their mind to? have less of those negative thoughts as they're performing. Well, Sean, you're talking to the right person because I've based my career on the last <laughs> 17 years of coaching. said, I know this is important, yeah. but I don't necessarily know how to do it. Right. And, you know, it must be said the reality is when players are training, when they're doing their keep balls, their small-sided games, their rondos, their 11v11s, all the stuff that you know more about than I do, you're still training them mentally to a degree because psychology is happening out there every single second. But my argument is let's train them mentally on purpose. Let's do it deliberately. And so subsequently you need 
um, techniques, tools for your toolbox, your coaching toolbox, in order to help players do this. Now, so there's a whole raft of techniques stuffed into my book, Soccer Tough, Soccer Tough 2, Soccer Brain. They're available on Amazon. There you go. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. I might plug that in. We'll, we'll five link it. We'll link it. In the next five minutes. Um, so... Let me give you a technique I use. For me, 8-year-olds can use this. 14-year-olds can use this. 18-year-olds can use this. I use this with players who are worth 50, 60 million pounds, dollars, whatever you want to call it, in in transfer value. Yeah. Uh, And I'll give you one. uh, This... Uh, from one of the best players in the world right now who I'm working with. Okay, this player is a defender. And this player, every single game, every single game, this player's main objective is this. I'm going to be dominant and relentless. I'm going to be dominant and relentless nonstop. Nothing and no one takes me away from dominant and relentless. Every run, every movement, every action, dominant and relentless. If my cross goes into Rosie, dominant and relentless. If I miss a chance to score, dominant and relentless. If we go a goal down, I'm going to stay dominant and relentless. If we go a goal up, dominant and relentless. If I'm losing my duels, my 1v1s, dominant and relentless. If my teammates are playing poorly, dominant and relentless. If the crowd are getting on my back, dominant and relentless. So... Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, going into a weekend game, this is what this person is rehearsing in their mind. This is the narrative that they're creating. Okay, It's a technique I call a game face. A game face. A game face is your competitive persona. Okay, mm. It's an attitudinal guide. It's a behavioral blueprint. Almost it's, an alter ego in yeah, a sense. Kind yeah, of, kind of. It's, it's your optimal mental state. It's a little bit like the late, great Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality, yeah. but it's more powerful because it's, it's personalized. Let's, let's hone in on what I'm saying there. Dominant and relentless. Now, this was the specific game face that this player chose. Now, how that starts is um, I get I, I ask players, I, I have three other tools in my toolbox that drive a game face, and that's memory, imagination, and perception. Memory, imagination, perception. These as coaches, these are really important tools that you can use. Tapping into players' memories, imaginations, and perceptions. So memory, tell me about you at your best. Tell me about you at your best. A best game. Pick a best game. Talk to me about that. Imagination, tell me about a dream game. Tell me about a dream game, a 10 out of 10 game. Hey, go crazy with your imagination. An 11 out of 10 game. Perception, who do you want to be out there? How do you want to go about your game out there? Memory, imagination, perception. From there, what I do is I put a a slide in front of players and I'll say, here is a bunch of words. Now, these words are adjectives. Adjectives, if you talk to a cognitive linguistic, uh, okay, a a cognitive linguist, I should say, um, that's a very complex uh, term for somebody who just uh, is passionate and, and, and studies language. Language is really important. It's important to you, me as a psychologist. It's important to you as a coach. Now, you talk to uh, uh, one of these people, they'll say an adjective influences behaviours. It changes behaviours. When, when I'm thinking of an adjective that could be important for football, I'm talking about dominant, relentless, upbeat, lively, alert, alive, uh, sharp, relaxed, focused, calm. Words, kind of action-based words that drive behaviours, that influence behaviours, that mediate behaviours. So, so I'm putting a whole bunch of words up. This player picks dominant and relentless. He said, damn, when I'm at my best, I'm dominant. I'm dominant in the air. I'm dominant in the challenge. I've got dominant body language. So it's kind of embodied. The beauty of adjectives is you can embody them and enact them and embed them. That's important. Embody them, enact them, embed them. 
be them, do them, act them. Be them, do them, act them. So this player, when he goes out, he goes and he plays dominant, relentless, dominant, relentless. He says them, he, he aims to be them, do them, act them. Be them, do them, act them. Help players pick action-based words, adjectives, that they can embody and enact on a pitch. And how this works from a coaching perspective is you can get them... You, by the side of the pitch, you could be saying, hey, come on, I want to see your game face. I want to see those action-based words. Show me those action-based words. Show me, show me, show me, show me. So you're training them mentally as you're training them technically, tactically, physically. And you can have so much fun with game faces because you can extend them onto, you can use model players, you can use animals and things like that. So, for instance, um, a player that you might have heard of, Callum Wilson, Newcastle striker. I worked with him when I worked with Bournemouth. And he has a game face of confident, relentless tiger. No, I lie. Confident, relentless lion. Wrong, am- wrong animal. And he, Co- he chose those. He chose those. And he loved... When you ask for an animal, it always gets a bit of a laugh from players because it's a little bit embarrassing to yeah. kind of thing. But there's a serious side to that. It's a metaphor. Our brains work metaphorically. 70% of our language is metaphoric, metaphorical. Okay, so- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when he's thinking, he's what a game face does, guys. If you think about it for yourself, it fires your brain in certain patterns that enables you to stay more consistent. Who am I going to be on game day? I'm going to be confident, relentless lion. Confident, relentless lion nonstop. I'm like a lion in that penalty area. If I haven't scored after 80 minutes, I'm going to stay being a lion. Or you can have a model player for example. So another person I can mention, most of my work is confidential, but another player yeah. I can mention is uh, Yannick Balassi, the former <laughs> Crystal Palace Everton. What a player, yeah. Brave, lively, relentless Ronaldo. Brave, lively, relentless it's Ronaldo. definitely lively for sure. Yeah. Right, and yeah. that's, that's his most important word. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a great story. I'm rambling on. Is this okay? Go, go, there's go, a, go, go, there's go, a great go. story from when uh, first season I worked with him. My job, Crystal Palace had just been promoted about six years ago to the Premier League. Playing for Crystal Palace, it was help Yannick feel like a Premier League player. We created this game face, brave, lively, relentless Ronaldo. And it came to uh, one of the final games of the season. Okay, he was playing Liverpool. This was when Brendan Rodgers was manager. This was when they were on the cusp of winning the Premier yeah. League title, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, 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 Liverpool came to Selhurst Park, the, the home of Crystal Palace. And uh, Yannick and I had spoken, and what we knew in that first season, Crystal Palace being the underdogs in most games, he, as a winger, wasn't going to see much of the ball. Yeah, so, but when you, you know, get on it. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't yeah. going to get on the ball. He wasn't going to affect the game. Mm-hmm. And that's when he tended to have ants, automatic negative thoughts, ANTS, automatic negative thoughts, feelings and emotions. He had to squash his ants quickly. And we spoke about it. We said, look, you're going to have ants tonight. You're going to have ants because you're not going to get on the ball. You're going to think the manager is going to want to bring you off, Tony Pulis. He's going to want to bring you off. You know, you're going to have those ants, but you've got to keep talking to yourself. You've got to keep talking and remind yourself to be lively, lively, lively. Embody uh, brave, lively, relentless Ronaldo, BLR Ronaldo, but especially that word lively. Here's what happened. Liverpool went 3-0 up. 
it's like it's over, man. It's over. <laughs> They're 3-0 up. 75th minute. Can't, uh, 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 Yannick is talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. He's saying tennis lively. He's squashing his hands. He's squashing his hands. Ball breaks up to him from a corner kick. He carries it up the pitch, delivers it into the area. Dwight Gale's there. Bang, 3-1. They go three. Oh, two. I remember this game. Do you remember this? Yeah. A few minutes later, I believe Yannick carried it up the end of the bang in the penalty area, bang, it's a goal, 3 all. The following week, if you remember that infamous game against Chelsea and Steven Gerrard slipped, if you yes, remember. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was the start of killing Liverpool's title. That was in <laughs> wow. part Yannick Balassi's Love that, game man. Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And that was, that's, so you've got to stay in the game. And it doesn't matter how quick the game is. Players are going to think out there. They're going to have ants, so they've got to squash their ants. Yeah, for sure. No, and that makes so much sense because, especially in a sense of, like, a winger, I feel like. I mean, obviously every position, whether it's a defender or which one, kind of makes the most sense. But, like, my favorite team's United. And yep. so I look at, like, like Marcus Rashford, who's a man on fire right now. But he I is. think that's something that he struggled with last season. Yeah. Maybe he had other stuff on his mind with, all the, like, all the charity stuff and kind of stuff like that. But I could definitely see him as a player who is having ants because he's a person that when he gets the ball – I'm sure some of those words that Balassi use are the same for him. Yep. And it's just like, hey, if I don't beat my man the first time, I need to just get that out of my mind yep. and just do it again. Yeah. Well, and you, just do it again. You see, absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing, hey, hot off the press here. I was reading a story this morning. I, I, I don't know, Marcus. And, and I think the interesting thing about having external yeah, distractions, yeah. Uh-huh. I actually think that can, that can be very healthy. Yeah. However, that they can sometimes get in the way. But hot off the press, I was reading an article this morning about some of the things that he'd done over the summer. He'd come over to the States. He was training, I think it was over in Seattle for a little bit, and he started to work on some what we might call marginal gains. It was, he would, he, they did some video analysis. They noticed he was on his he was starting some sprints from his back foot so he lost about 0.1 0.2 seconds um there was some other stuff he did now here's the thing and this is where a lot of coaches get this wrong they silo psychology away and they think oh you know we need to know more about psychology how do we work on this but don't forget when you work technically tactically physically you're also working psychologically Mm -hmm. so when you've got a marcus rashford who's working on his technique who's working on his sprinting technique so he starts on more on his toes on his front foot so he's a little bit quicker to anticipate make decisions and so on that makes a difference to his focus of attention it makes a difference to his confidence his self-belief his capacity to take control of himself so it all interacts and works together yeah, it's crazy. It's just, it really does. It's all connected. Yeah. And I think that that's only something that athletes in general are just starting to recognize, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and, of course, you're talking about players that are worth millions and millions of pounds, right? So they have the resources to find someone like you yeah. that can really help them. Yeah. How can players that aren't at that level yet still get that same value for themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Like books, other resources, yeah. like what, what can they do? Well, what a wonderful question, Sean, because clearly I would direct them to Soccer Tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. I mean, Shout out. Yeah, Gareth yeah. Bale said it was Soccer Tough was a book that changed his yeah. life. So who am I to argue <laughs> with Gareth Bale? What right? a player, Come man. On. What a player. You know, I, I, and I've had lots of players who have, have uh, contacted me and said thanks to Soccer Tough. Because I, I really wanted to please, please excuse this bit of uh, uh, self-publication. Self-publication. I did public, public, um, <laughs> publish. I guess it's where like self-help a long yeah. word a long day <laughs> and that was a long word um, so I, I, I 
I wanted to write a book that really brought this alive. I wanted to write a book that, that well, I got permission. I got permission from Carlton Cole, if you remember him, and my work with him at West Ham. He went from reserve team at West Ham to playing for England. And I was, I'm like the one to five guy, 1% to 5%. I was a small part of that process, but he very kindly talked to, a little bit about it. And he had uh, a game face of aggressive beast, aggressive beast, aggressive beast. <laughs> so, you know, you, <clears throat> I would say to, to players, seek out every young person uses social media. Seek out people who are influencing positively on social media. It's a big thing. Seek out books. I can only speak for my work and my book, Soccer Tough, Soccer Tough 2. I have an online academy, the Dan Abraham Soccer Academy, where it has basic, uh, fun, animated videos. Um, but um, you, you, you really want to find things that bring this to life and things you can practically do. But look, what I'd say is for everybody out there, um, when you go and train, train proactively have a couple of goals in mind for your game don't just rely on your coaches to deliver what they want you to deliver on pick a couple of objectives one or two objectives that you want to improve upon in your game and purposefully and proactively um, work on those things Um, I would say to everybody out there you know, the wonderful thing, again, let's come back to language and let's think of psychological terms, concentration, confidence, as an example. If I was standing on the side of the pitch and I said to you, show me a confident pass, show me a confident move, show me a confident run, come on, confident, 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 that in and of itself is a form of mental training. You can do that for your players as coaches. I want you to do this rondo here in the style of the most confident player in the world. And just, hey, that's fun, and just go and do it. I would say to players out there, just set an objective for yourself to embody confident and practice that. And if you misplace a few passes, if you make some mistakes, whatever happens out there, keep being doing and acting confident so it's a little bit like that game face mm-hmm. um, technique but it's just using action based words practice that and you will notice a big difference you've got to stay proactive you've got to stay on top of that intensity out there with those words you do that and you will become a better player absolutely yeah I think that it, it really is like you've given given some very good solid like practical tips here and even going back to like the social media thing, like it's it's really just as simple as that, right? Because especially for players, teenagers, right? They're so influenced by social media and whatever they follow or whatever they look at a lot on their feed is going to be circulating in their brain all the time. So it's like just as simple as instead of following like some rapper or something like <laughs> you know i can do rapping okay yeah. i can rap i'm a big rapper so, so. <laughs> i'm sorry i lost rapper, it. i get what you're saying yeah, no, yeah no, but no, like no. follow right. follow right. an yeah. account that's yeah. going to feed you something and 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 put something into your brain that's actually going to benefit you yeah. and it's almost like like you said with the coaching side you are doing mental training without even realizing it almost mm-hmm. you are 
you are be be proactive with it and as you say it's um if you can find people on social media it's going to make if you're passionate about the game and you're passionate about improving and you want to improve it's an area that you can discover and look, there's always going to be things that you don't necessarily warm to you know a lot of sites will talk about mindfulness and meditation and that might be something that interests you and you're curious about and you feel might help you equally you might think that that's not for me i i, I like to be more practical hey there's so many different tools and techniques and there's something for everybody out there so be 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 curious man be curious don't be closed-minded be curious be open strive to try things and um yeah get out there and do it yeah yeah i would say this question's probably gonna be obvious because it's i think you're gonna just tell me everyone should or like at every level but I guess, is there, um, do you think most people just really focus on sports psychology and fixing it when things are down mm. as opposed to when things are like yeah. positive? Good question. And I feel like good it should question. almost oh, be like, good question. yeah, it's like when obvious. things are, you know, I feel like when you're at like your top, top, that's when you should really try and get it, get in there. And so, I mean, I guess that's probably one thing. Does that, is that something that you do as well? Like you'll have players who are, are like in really good form, who are doing all these things eventually and they still come to you as just a way to keep sharpening themselves to learn to learn new things to yeah. stay on top of it. It, it, it it's it's very it's an interesting dynamic I, I, i'll answer this in several ways in psychology ethically we are bound to try to what we don't want is for a player a human being to be reliant on us that is that's considered to be unethical and at no stage would i want a player to you know, have to pay me all the time to work with them and, and be, be bound by my voice and my ideas. However, there's an interesting juxtaposition there, okay? And that's a good word, a eh? juxtaposition. There's an interesting <laughs> juxtaposition in as much as... I, I, I respect and appreciate that, and my peers and my contemporaries in psychology will say that, and I believe in that. And I'm uh, ho- hopefully very ethical in my psychological practice. But equally, we are... We are performance coaches. And look, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm not an unfit and unhealthy person. I, I'm reasonably fit and reasonably healthy. But you know what? I don't have a six-pack. Now, yes, that becomes more difficult when you're in your 40s. But <laughs> why would, the reason I'm saying this is because I like to think that if I had a, 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 an S&C, a strength and conditioning coach, or you know, uh, any kind of coach with me all the time... Yeah. And, and driving me, I would have far more chance of getting closer to having a six-pack. But I don't. And, that, that, and, and, and so I need, I need somebody there. I probably need somebody there to help me be more disciplined, to give me ideas, to give me advice, to push me through, to, keep, to help me stay on top of it. And so I think it's vital, it can be seen as vital for some players, some of the time, to have a voice there all the time. And so I do that with some players. As long as they know they can leave me at any time, as long as they know I'm trying to help them be their best own coach themselves, that's important. Mm. But I, I think really to come back to your, your main very good question, Evan, I, I think, you know, uh, we've got to get away from we are problem solvers all the time. And really, we are we want to we want to fix the problem before it happens by creating great processes, great processes within coaching practices, great processes for players, uh, you know, own approach to the game. Process is really, really important. It's almost process is a word used all the time. It's become a cliche in psychology now, but sports psychology. But, you know, have great processes um, in that way. There's less chance of some of the things 
happening to you that can tend to happen slumps in forms plateaus all these things that may happen anyway yeah. but you just reduce the possibility of those things yeah so get Sorry. started with this stuff right but i think yeah like slumps bad form it's inevitable mistakes inevitable they're always going to happen yeah. but staying on top of it like you're, you're like you're talking about helps minimize it and helps you bounce back from absolutely. it quicker absolutely yeah and helps you helps minimize it helps bounce back and helps you manage yourself through plateaus and slumps of form yeah. which is something i'm doing a lot with you know players at all levels but absolutely helps you manage not just your mental health and your well-being but also just manage your game and helps you have better bad games essentially that's true. six out of tens rather than five out of tens sevens rather than sixes and that's so so important yeah for sure absolutely absolutely man yeah you got my mind just like yeah for sure firing right now it's something i wish i had obviously i'm glad that i'm learning more about this now as a coach because i can obviously help people get farther than what i did which told me why i do it but yeah i wish i just focused on this a lot more when i was playing in college or even trying to go to the professional route because it's just stuff that you don't even even just like like just dribble confidently and pass confidently it's like just that just never really came across my mind i was always just focused on connect this pass beat that guy yeah the, get it on target yeah the end result rather exactly than how to reach yeah. that end yeah result. for sure yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. we i think we need in psychology need to linguistically help coaches help players focus on more of the specifics and controllable aspects the granular mini details that actually drive kpis and drive outcomes the performance process if you like mm. for sure i love it man perfect cool. hey i really appreciate your time yeah definitely i mean like i said my mind's firing i feel like i could think of a thousand questions as soon as we stop recording and we could just keep on going but I would love to have you on again sometime. I'd be more than more than happy to come. That'd be Perfect. wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dan. Perfect. Um, no Thanks, Dan. Anything else you'd like to plug before we jump off? No, you can catch me at danabrahams.com. Uh, my books are on there. My online academy is on there. My podcast is the Sports Psych Show. I have three Twitter accounts, but the main football one would be at danabrahams77. At danabrahamssoccer is uh, Facebook, where I'm posting every single day post on linkedin as well and i'm on instagram at dan abraham's sport that's me there we go thank you so much sir thank you sir that's good thank you guys